Welcome to the NDIS Peak Provider Podcast. My name is Chris Hall, your host, and today I've got Peter Dempsey on with me. Now, Peter is a customer engagement strategist. Um, he specializes in complex care, neuroplasticity, and neurodiversity. Um, after suffering a crippling stroke when he was a child, um, Peter has spent the last 20 years learning to walk and talk again. Um, now, fueled by his dream to become a professional speaker, uh, Peter has done, he's indeed done that. Um, and, you know, some people might have considered the journey that he'd done uh, as impossible, but he's, he's, he's done that and he's surpassed it. Um, so Peter um, has a fascinating story to tell at that individual level and is also a leader in the NDIS as a professional. So um, I'm really, you know, honoured to have Peter on the podcast today and I'd like to say welcome to you, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, so look, let's start with the background. So if we get, you know, people to to know you, can you tell us about, you know, what your background is and what you've been involved with in terms of disability services and policy um, around the NDIS? Uh, so with, so my background first, um, yeah, I, I did have a stroke as a kid, um, uh, which, uh, yeah, squared me back to square one. And um, after that, I really realised I um, I was in trouble. And this was the day when they thought uh, the brain was fixed, the brain wasn't going to rewire itself. So there would be a lot of uh, closed doors in front of me. Um, doctors, healthcare professionals, all go like there's nothing we can do mm. um luckily my dad was an electronic engineer mm. so he he was like well i'm not taking this um and like in, through through his mind was we'll put energy into it we'll see what we can get out, get out of it and since both my parents uh had a background um in gymnastics and martial arts they thought the best thing is is for me to actually move my body and, and balance and um, coordinate. So that's what they they spent doing. And over the next decade, um, I relearned how to to walk, balance, and um, coordinate, run, um, and eventually speak. And through that uh, that process, um, I learned. Yeah, I had uh, severe aphasia, so mm. they did not think I would actually be able to talk again, let alone talk in community again. Yeah. And it was until I was uh, in my mid, uh, sorry, late, sorry, mid to late 20s, um, that's when I could hold a, a good conversation. Um, and then I, and this is when roughly neuroplasticity was starting to come around. I'm like, well, thank God, right, that gave me the next uh, breath, uh, breath of air. And um, and really got me interested in uh, mental health and complex needs since I, I overcame uh, what I did. But uh, doing a set for in, in mental health, um, I challenged a lot of a lot of opinions with this new concept of neuroplasticity. They didn't hear about that, um, so I was I was pushing, I was challenging uh, beliefs, and that's what turned a lot like a lot of heads, especially my uh, lecturer's head and uh, a few of his friends, because he was talking to um, psychiatrists, uh, like um, he was deeply connected. And that's what landed me my first job at the State Board of Complex Needs in in South Australia. Um, When I was 25, 26, I think. And and there, there my 
there my role was to understand where the people, like the, the clients were with mm. significant complex needs. I mean, these guys had multiple mental health issues, mm -hmm. multiple diagnoses, um, and often brain injuries or mm -hmm. multiple brain injuries. So it was a very complex case. Mm. Um, and the social workers, psychologists, psychiatrists wanted to implement a few, like uh, like something to keep them safe or to help them integrate with the community better. Mm. And it was up to me to go, right, this can work. I'll try this. I'll do that approach um, and to monitor how that was for the end end client. So, um, yeah, I, and that that's what gave me a really good understanding about right how uh, providers might take the approach and how participants view that approach. Um, so yeah, and. I had experience with that for uh, a few years and then um, carved my way into um, dealing with complex teenagers um, and then looked at more like where does these rules and where does these um, pol like policies or, or guidance of these policies come from. And that's when I got into uh, professional speaking because if you can't professionally communicate, or, or pitch yourself, you're not a very good, like your, your rules don't get passed. So I was like, right, being a professional speaker will definitely help um, or I could definitely um, intertwine with the, these these kinds of people. So that was about eight, eight to 10 years ago now. Um, and in the process, I became a professional speaking myself. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. I mean, what an inspiration. Because I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely blown away. My my auntie and my uncle, um, they both had strokes. Um, so I've kind of got that close family connection with, you know, with that. Um, and my my auntie in particular, um, she had um, asphasia, asphasia as well. Um, and, you know, for those of you that may not know asphasia, you know, please correct me if I'm wrong. It's, it's that it's that kind of it's, it's two things. It's sometimes it's getting the words out, isn't it? And being able to literally communicate. I mean, that's why I experienced with my auntie. Um, it was like, she, she, she knew what she wanted to say, but she couldn't get that specific word out and then she'd mix up the yeah, words. Correct. Yeah. 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 Correct. Right. So, um, if you, uh, if you uh, ask me, what am I sitting on? Right. It's a chair. Right. Mm. But if your mind and your mouth can't get to the word chair, it goes mm. to the next associative word. Right. It might be a floor or it might be a house. It might be something else. And we say like that because that's the next associated word in our brains, yeah. right? Which confuses the, 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 the person they're talking to, but also confuses us because it's like, no, no, that's not the word I wanted to say, right? Yes. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a very complex complex kind of system that um, uh, aphasia is. So, mm. yeah, that was... And it depends on how severe um, we have that that banner aphasia, but it might be a really deep aphasia, or it might be a shallow aphasia. Mm. Right? You, you don't have there. There is no um, uh, measure about mm. how deep aphasia is, um, or what uh, what parts of the brain we injured. Mm. Um, so 
they, the, the neurologists can go, yes, like due to a, um, a CT scan or an MRI, you, mm. you've damaged Winnicke's and Broca's area um, or lightly or um, not. But I, I still get neurologists, when they look at my scans, they go, and he's speaking in front of me, like that, that, wow. that doesn't compute with them. Um, so I, I, I still, to this day, need to push how far that the brain is, is malleable and can be used and um, how uh, people with disabilities can overcome mm-hmm. tremendous odds if just given the right way. I, I couldn't agree more. That that's very much my philosophy as well. And um, gosh, I mean, I think about a recent example um, in medicine for someone that I know, and I'm no doctor, but there's there's the phrases of pathology and physiology. So pathology yeah. is when there's a disease, a condition, or whatever you know, uh, fill in the blank, right? And then that means that you've got these symptoms, these limitations, these things going on. That's pathology. But then physiology um, is, you know, by analogy is, you know, looking after your body, moving it in whatever way you can. It's the it's the things you're putting in and out. It's the ecosystem. And it's all that stuff together. And the, the point is that, that someone made this distinction to someone I know. If something's not pathological and it's physiological, that means that you can influence um, from a lifestyle management point of view, whether it's doing martial arts, you know, doing certain things, whatever you're doing, you can influence that because it's in physiology. And I'm making that analogy here because I want to sort of, I hope it's not too much of a leap, but make a little bit of a similar connection to the attitude towards neuroplasticity. So like, you know, the yeah. I, the way I see it, and, you know, again, not a doctor, um, but I don't think that the worlds of pathology and physiology or pathology and neuroplasticity I don't think they're necessarily separate worlds. I think that we can actually, we can sort of, you know, bring the reins and, you know, not not always to the fullest extent of whatever, but like it, it's an inspiration to say like, actually, when you look after yourself, do certain things again or emphasize certain lifestyle practices, we can, we can have a positive influence, can't we? On things that may have traditionally just been left to pathology and that's it, can't change that ever. Yeah, I I think like both of them merge over um, neurochemistry, mm. right, and mm. energy. Um, mm. So if you if you have a um, like a thought about yes, I I can do it, or how can I do it, um, or if you if you get a like no, um, for for instance, with me, uh, my parents were like, can he walk again? And they mm. were said no, and my my parents both 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 my parents go. I get that's your point of view, but how can he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. How can he? Like, what? What? What can we do to help him to walk again? Mm-hmm. Right. And and that the, that they were just like, mm, like kind of thing. So it was a uh, all right. My parents would get down on the floor with me and and teach me if you push up against the floor, mm-hmm. you 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 can yeah you can slowly crawl. Right, mm-hmm. and um, I I remembered. Well, I don't remember this. Um, my parents tell me um, my sister would uh, get down with my toy cars when I was in a wheelchair and play with my toy cars right in front of me mm-hmm. until I got the energy to swing myself out and and um, actually bit her on the arm, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. right, to get me out of the wheelchair mm-hmm. to help her stop it, and and then she would get up. 
Um, she, she cried, of course, but she came back and um, stood up and was playing with my cars again, mm. right, a few, about a meter or two away from me. Mm. And then I would call mm. trying, to, trying to get her, right? Mm. But stop doing that. Mm. And then she would take a few steps back and, and that's how I began to crawl again. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's, it, it, it doesn't... So that might be neuroplasticity. That might be um, like I was just really angry and upset at her. That might be pure sheer love, right, um, and dedication for my sister to to do that, mm. um, right. Those three those three angles of viewpoints are very different, but mm. it's the same. It's the same result. It's like I'll do anything I can to move forward. Yeah. Um, so mm. yeah. Wow. I mean, look, first of all, for people watching and listening to this, I, I do want to acknowledge that I know that there's a, such a, a spectrum of disabilities and I know that not everyone can um, get to that similar result, you know, that, that you've got to. So I, I honor that. Um, but even if that's the case for some people, like, I think there's a commonality that we can all unite on here, which is the importance of a constructive, positive attitude and getting out and doing stuff with life, right? So even if you've yeah. got certain physical constraints that can't be gotten over, then I understand that, but then there's the there's the psychological um, and social importance to get out and connecting with your community. You know, um, you know, getting in the swimming pool and doing what you what you love or whatever it is. Fill in the blank. You know, there's something yeah. that is there's, there's good wellness, right? So we need wellness, don't we, in the in the disability sector yeah. for all participants in whatever form that is. Correct, and that I think that comes from the mind, right? If you're not, yeah. uh, if you're uh, over overcrowded or or thinking too much, um, and I, I'm a victim of that all the time. It's like I overthink think things, um, but it's actually uh, participating and moving moving physically, moving mentally, moving socially, um, uh, spiritually, like reading. Right, you're you're moving forward in a way, um, and if that's if that's helpful to you, good keep going for it if it's not get some help around you um and um continue looking until you find a comfortable or safe position to um to be in and then once you found that keep moving forward yeah so yeah, yeah. And, and that's where I, I guess the um ndis comes into it mm-hmm. yeah um um so with the so I've I've been around since the uh, before the NDIS. Um, that was that was very very interesting. And then when the NDIS uh, uh, came came about, it's, I was in the, the brainstorming session. Like, how would this look like? Um, what would this what would this be like? Um, and uh, at that that point, I was like, well, people with disabilities. Um, almost seem like they're running their own business right kind of thing you have cash flow like um how much or you you have to uh, have a projected budget like how do you use that budget um uh very well um how do you uh do you have uh key performance indicators right how does that that look and um the the people at the at the brainstorming session was like oh that's really Really great idea like let's teach everyone that they're like running their own small small business kind of thing mm. and um so I was like wow all right that's that's a, a full-on um kind of discussion mm. 
And since this NDIS rollout, um, we get to a decade down the track and um, there's a over-surplus of providers. There's like 300,000 providers, 75% um, of which are unregistered mm -hmm. and, um, and 600,000 participants and growing um, mm -hmm. quite, quite dramatically. And I just think it's it, it's a very complex mm. how the system's built um, so far. Um, mm. And with the the current reviews out now, um, they offer. Um, I, I completely agree with uh, the reviews, but um, just uh, five years is a, a tight window to implement. All of the all of the changes, yeah. and I'm like, how that that's a huge um, uh, task, and there's a, a lot of risk associated with that. There are, and then I mean, yes, uh, I want to mirror that. I I agree with the recommendations of the review, and I want to ask you from your point of view about what are the standout findings because it, it, it there's a lot. You know, which ones really stand out? Which ones really stand out? Um, probably, uh, the, the e-marketplace was interesting. Um, there, there's a, a number of, um, providers with, uh, sorry, there's a number of, uh, projects that, uh, I'm interested in that are going for that. Um, so that's quite interesting. Mm. Um, the, what else? What do you think about the support um, coordination recommendations and that stuff, you know, the, the kind of evolving of support coordination as a role? Oh, to, to navigators? Yes. Right. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was that was a curveball. <laughs> um, yeah. Yep. I, I, I thought uh, that, that was a really big curveball because it's like, well, you, the NDIS is just doing what it did when the NDIS started, um, when the NDIS started, there was a lot of um, highly skilled professionals that that were just wiped out because suddenly, as as states, um, the states had no money anymore, um, and I, I had a an, a large network of um, highly skilled specialists in South Australia and, and a few people in Melbourne and Perth that all just goes, I'm out. I, I'm, I'm, I'm out of this because mm -hmm. the NDIS is starting new. Um, and that was really unfortunate for uh, the Australian nation. Um, and now you've got support coordinators, which are highly skilled um, support coordinators and they understand the landscape. Mm -hmm. um, now it's like, oh, suddenly changing over to navigators. It's like, well, <laughs> come on, guys. Like, what, what's what's that? What's that all about? Um, yes. And I, I feel it's it it will be interesting where the the navigators land. Um, they would have to be retrained, and mm -hmm. I suppose uh, support support um, support coordination and um, plan management um, will get sucked up in there. Um, same with the, uh, oh, the, 
national disability or um, the people that review the plans. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that they're, I reckon they're going to be sucked up into the navigation role as well. Mm. Um, but trying to navigate or trying to direct people um, to where to go mm. um, is a, a mammoth task and mammoth training. Um, I just don't know. I don't see how that will that will work over the next five years. Just mm. yeah, uh, unless unless there's a, a a system which they can they can look upon, um, yeah. and I suppose that's what this uh, CPOS system, Commonwealth Bank, um, got in uh, 2022. Um, that's backed off. Um, what is it? White coat. White coat's a a service provider. Sorry, um, helping navigate. Um, so unless uh, they'll use the, the Commonwealth Bank with its CPOS system, also use white code to help the navigators um, and just roll that out uh, nationwide, that's the that's a a way forward I, I can think of. But can you tell me about that? I don't know about that. The the white coat and CPOS thing, I don't know about that project. So the the yeah, so the the CPOS uh, system like will kill plan managers. Um, yes. Um, uh, just uh, it's the transaction. Oh, oh, sorry, the transactions of yeah, rather than having plan management, that's the like, I wasn't aware yeah. that's the name of the, the specifics. Okay, that's interesting. Yes. Yeah. 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 So so, but in 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 doing that, um, mm. the Commonwealth Bank acquired uh, a white coat. Um, that white coat's a um a provider it, it helps navigate um people towards providers mm-hmm. um and it, it's the largest one uh in uh, i think australia so they've acquired that as well so mm-hmm. unless they're looking at combining the cpos and the white coat um and then having something a tool that as a tool to help the navigators mm. right navigate where like to help people with disabilities i can mm. see that working but again i'm i'm just trying to mm. yeah predict where where how they will create something as as massive as this well absolutely even just from a paying of invoices point of view and i don't mean to offend any plan managers like you know about six months ago um when i had brendan rail on the podcast we were actually talking about technologically um, you know, Bill Shorten made the comment um, at the press club saying that, you know, does it make sense to have someone in the middle that processes an invoice and then just claims the money from the government, like the, the whole middleman, middleman thing. And from a pure technological point of view, it doesn't make sense, right? So, like, I think it's inevitable one way or another that, you know, we, we used to, we, right now we're talking about agency managed versus plan managed. Like, even that distinction, it probably just needs to go away. And, 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 and again, I'm not trying to offend anyone, but like I just think it's technologically inevitable um, because there's a there's a logical efficiency opportunity there, isn't there, just from the paying of invoices? Yeah, yeah it, it, it doesn't really um, make sense. And I, I get that the NDIS want to speed everything up. Um, but with plan managers, they need to... Um, once this this CPOS system comes on online, mm-hmm. um, 
everyone needs to be, I think, registered so they can they can work out, um, um, so they can do the do the transaction. Otherwise, it it won't work. Yes, there's a lot of service like uh, there's a lot of providers at the moment who are unregistered who keep contacting the pay manager and go, how do we create this? How do we work with um, uh, how do we structure it in a way that that works, right? So the the plan managers are telling providers um, how to make your invoices work. Yes, yes, right, exactly. And that, that's probably a good segue to the whole unregistered registered thing. So I'll tell a quick yeah. story. Um, I, when I was the director of a sole provider, we had an incident where you know, there was some tension between two provision companies and and the registered provider wanted to make a complaint about the unregistered provider, right? In terms of the ethics and the practices that they were doing. Um, and what I learned through that experience is that, you know, beyond the NDIS code of conduct, um, there wasn't really any, um, there wasn't any stick, you know, in terms of the way that the commission could actually act on that, right? And so I think the idea of, you know, requiring people to become registered it, it, you know, you've got to have the carrot and the stick, right? So I think the stick is that basically if you don't, you know, act ethically or, you know, properly address any complaints that are made, et cetera, then your registration can be impacted and therefore your ability to claim money through whatever new, you know, financial approach uh, would be impacted. And I, and honestly, I, I agree with that approach because I think, you know, we need to have that mechanism um, where it keeps providers accountable and there needs to be that monetary impact um, and ability to do business impact. Um, would you would you agree with that in terms of like the link of registration and implications of getting paid? Yeah. Uh, so with registration, um, I think, uh, yeah, we should have registered. Um, every company should be registered yep. um, in one way, shape or the other. Um, and it comes down to responsibility as well, yep. right? So, um, if if there's no responsibility there, I mean, who's left holding the buck? Yep. Kind of thing. And we're talking about someone's life. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I get that um, some some providers want to be unregistered. Mm -hmm. um, I, I totally get that. Um, but if they align with um, other other registered providers, there's a there's always a, a way you can do that, mm -hmm. um, and you can have the protection of a registered provider. Um, but it's to stop one isolation. Two, I've I've seen huge huge companies, and there's all like there's someone um, who like who needs twenty four seven care. Like let's. One one uh, scenario um, I used to be dealing with, there was one person with twenty four seven care. There was only four four support workers that would looking after them, and they worked out if they um, if this person was happy with unregistered providers, they could they could move them into uh, the client into their own house, and those four people would look after him still. Right, they would get something like a million and a half dollars, kind of thing. Um, the organisation was like, "What's what's going on here?" Mm. But 
this is what the NDIS want to stop, right? Mm. Stop isolation for, right. for that one participant. Mm. And nothing might change, nothing will change in the client's world, mm-hmm. but in the whole bigger, bigger scheme of things, that that now that person's like that person is vulnerable mm-hmm. because they're they're isolated with poor poor carers around. Mm. So yeah, and that's what the NDIS want to stop, the, the, the overall bigger picture. But yeah. from the participants' point of view, from the social workers, um, support workers' point of view, mm-hmm. nothing has changed mm-hmm. completely mm-hmm. until something does. And I guess that's what government wants, the, the governments want to um, stop or put a hold on mm. is Murphy's Law. Right? Murphy's right. Law scenarios. Right. Um, uh, that, yeah, something, if something can go wrong, it will. So... Yeah, look, and, and again, on, on the LinkedIn community, I've seen a lot of people with disability, you know, being upset around the NDIS review and saying that if we can't use unregistered providers, then it's going to impact choice of control and that's impacting people's rights. Um, I, I I very much understand the concern, but I don't think the reaction is necessarily as logical as it could be. And let, let me explain why. Um, so basically, yeah. similar to your story, Let's say we've got all these tens of thousands of providers across Australia, right? Or hundreds of thousands when you include the unregistered ones. Even the registered ones, the, the general quality as an industry, we need to keep lifting the bar, right? In terms of we need to raise yeah. all ships. So unfortunately, even in registered instances, there have been cases um, where people that are vulnerable, uh, I think there was a classic incident, um, it may have even been South Australia a few years ago, I think there's one person with one support worker. They they were they were completely dependent on the on on the supports, and they had no informal supports in terms of family and friends and network. It just didn't exist. And yeah. you know, if that support worker is off sick or doesn't turn up or whatever, the person's completely vulnerable, right? So that that's an example that I recently passed a quality audit myself um, for my own business, and and that was a like, hey, show me that you've got a policy to make sure that you're checking in on the vulnerable people, right? And that's the type of level of um, spotlight that has to be shone um, within procedures of, of a business because people are vulnerable, right? Um, and quite frankly, if you're not registered, then you don't have to demonstrate any of that. And, and so I'd say that, you know, it's really, it's horrendous that, you know, abuse and neglect has happened in the past, but the response shouldn't be, oh, I'll just go with someone that's better that's unregistered or that I choose. It should be, no, no, no. Everybody needs to do better in terms of abuse yeah. and neglect and vulnerability, et cetera. And the only way that we can actually all do better is by, like other regulated industries, require people that work in that industry to be properly, consistently regulated. Um, yeah. So so that, that would be my opinion to it. Like I, I, I very much understand the concern, but I feel like the more appropriate logical response is, Increase, increase the bar, increase the, you know, improve the standard. That, that, what, do, what do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, um, you're, you're right on the money. Um, with, uh, I've seen on Facebook a lot of controversy right around yeah. registered providers as well, and um, I totally get where where people with disabilities are coming from. Like yeah. it, it impacts choice and control. It does, um, but the choice and control um, that they're I think their mindset is uh, um, we have fought for so long to be heard and and, yep. and listened to and 
Um, and actually, yeah, now we're being understood about mm-hmm. what we actually need. We don't want to lose any, like, we don't want to lose ground on, on any front in, in that aspect. Um, and with reg- like with regulating um, providers, that's what it's that's what it's doing. It's it's um, uh, stopping us. And uh, I think with uh, those people with disabilities, they need to like we need to speak up or go right. How can I get the the support I need? Where do I need to go? How do I train? Um, how do I train these support workers to to fit in with me? Mm-hmm. Um, I think a proactive version around that how do I work with this um, service provider to teach them how to treat someone like me let's have those discussions Mm -hmm. right because uh, I think training uh, as you said all all the ships need to lift that that does work but um, training needs to be involved and individualized training needs to be involved Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't uh, I don't think um, uh, people really understand the the depth of mm. a specific disability mm. um unless you have like you have one you've talked mm. to you've talked mm. to a number of people i mean i'm still finding out about brain injury all the time mm-hmm. and if there was a specialization it would be brain injury it would be mm. stroke mm. um and and still i'm i'm really curious about it and want to work out or want best practices of how I treat myself, but mm-hmm. how I treat other other people with brain injury and stroke, and pretty much everyone else. Nice. Um, and that's where the uh, I think the specialization will come into it. Mm. Um, and companies need specialization. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like and providers just don't understand about this level of of training that mm. needs to be involved, mm. um, especially when you're dealing with very complex complex cases mm-hmm. um um high physical behavior um uh high high intellectual or brain injury um the the, the best that the uh ndis can come up with is restrictive practices which yeah that that might um or fit yeah that's 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 a complete joke i mean um we we were going back to when I was in the the complex needs clinic. We didn't ever use restrictive practices, and yeah. we were dealing with some of the most highly um, uh, ag- uh, aggressive people. Mm-hmm. They can be aggressive, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. they weren't. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and yeah, we we were dealing with with these guys, and we we just knew different mm-hmm. ways around. How to um, mitigate mm-hmm. their, their their harm, their harm to community, their harm to themselves, their harm to us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we we knew that, but this stuff needs to be out there there more. That the training yeah. needs to be out there more, and providers yeah need to up level their their skills. That 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 definitely links to the regulation point again, because only only registered providers can implement. You, two things: you need to be registered. You need to have Module Two A as an implementing provider. You need to seek authorization with the local, state, or territory. Form a panel, all that stuff, and you know, lived in that world as well. Um, 
tell me more about it because like I, I i agree with your point that training needs to be you know the point is is that when you do audit you have to show um that you everyone's read the behavior support plan that they've had training from the behavior support practitioner etc um I, I agree with your sentiment that we need to go even deeper in terms of like true understanding um of you know how you can set people up for success um, because i think you're yeah. right again it's the ecosystem thing like you put people in the right environment, the right situation, treat them with dignity, respect, and and again, well-being. Like, what is it that gets them happy, right? You know, that yeah. kind of attitude. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. Um, my only question is, like, when, when you read the, the documents and the policies and all the legislation about restrictive practice, you know, in principle, it does say that it's only, only to be used as a last resort. It's meant to be going towards zero and that you've got these panels that meet every six to 12 months, you know, for the provider to say, how are you trying to, you know, reduce the use? So in theory, legislation-wise and philosophy-wise, it is, you know, trying to minimise and reduce restrictive practice. Um, so when you say it's a joke, like, to tell me more about that. Like, I, I'm genuinely intrigued. Like, what what aspects of things, is it the reality and the way it's implemented that concerns you? Or it's, is it, it, yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a reality. Like, I, I've, I've personally seen um uh there's horrible horrible mm. uh restrictive practices used um mm -hmm. people locked away like um yeah um uh last week the week before i've got if you don't behave i won't feed you that's that's well that's abuse i mean so okay so you're describing are, are you sorry, sorry. not not everything but are you describing maybe unauthorized restrictive practice right. use yeah, okay yeah, yeah and and it's not like um so so that's like and that stuff happens happens um uh, a lot like in in the in the disability world right and one people don't want to speak up because mm. like the, the people with disabilities don't want to speak up because um these people around mm. them are are helping them they, they need them <sighs> it's awful it's, it's, it's awful that that exists it really is um like, that, that, that it upsets me so much hearing these stories but yes, I yeah. get the I get the reality. Yeah, right. The but the what what's what's happening now? Uh, I think is there's a, a bigger a bigger spotlight shone on mm. um uh, on it, mm -hmm. and and now it's like going right. How do you weed out the the um how do you weed out the cowboys of the of the sector? Yes. Um, how do you weed out the People that were that that pump and dump companies, right? right? So they, they like, and these are unregistered providers. How do you how do you weed the, those guys out? Um, which the government is doing is doing a uh, a lot um, to to weed it out. But I think it's people with disabilities as well going. Mm. This is happening, mm. right? How do we weed it out? All right. So it's mm. a it's a two pronged approach. For people with disabilities need to be empowered yes. right, to actually speak up and, and right to speak to other people with disabilities who are moving forward. Um, and that's that's a, a point where I sit. Um, mm. and I help a number of, of, of companies uh, empower their, their clients, but as well, um, uh, I think it's up to just the general public to mm. be aware that this stuff happens. Mm. Um, and and to speak up if if it if it happens i mean i nearly nearly hear about 
not not stuff to that extreme, but I hear about fraud and and stuff all the time because it's it's so rampant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Setting, we need to you need to shake the industry up. And um, what what are the solutions to that? Because I mean, again, I think I think number one, we need a common rule book, i.e., registration. Even if we've got different tiers of registration, we've got to have a common rule yeah. book. Can't be two two yeah. versions. And um, but then my question is, I, I think maybe that if not already, maybe that should become an extra emphasis of audit as one step. So I think we need to show internal procedures that maybe key personnel and management are showing proactive, regular check-ins to validate with the participant directly that abuse is not occurring. I think that that would be a, a constructive mechanism. There is still the risk of conflict of interest because it's their own company and their own workers and they have the risk of uh, theoretically sweeping things under the rug, which would be wrong, but it could happen. So I suppose my question is, and I'm brainstorming now, is there a place for third-party advocacy groups that genuinely check in with every single person with a disability to check their well-being, to check that that's not occurring? What, what do you think about that? What could be the checks and balances? I think that's what um, there's a in in the um, there's a community uh, community outreach person, and like um, this this is in the um, the the review there's yes, okay. a, a outreach all right um and i think that's what that person will do good right to uh to do that to just like that i think they will be in like well they will will be employed by um either state or federal mm-hmm. i think it's state um maybe by local councils um because that would that would be um a certain uh location um that would be very very helpful um to to do um mm-hmm. and this this person will just knock on the doors mm-hmm. and, and go how is everything going mm-hmm. right so important so important um out of the so we talked about registration we talked about plan management money um having a common rule book from a support coordination and the navigator point of view you know what yeah. We talked about the, you know, the the previous history of losing skilled professionals, you know, before the scheme. Um, what about in the near future? What's your perspective on what happens to support coordination companies? What's the who's what's the organisation that's the umbrella that does the navigator? Is it the Commission, the NDIS? And forgive me, I'm not I'm not in the detail of this. You might be more than I am. Like, what happens to the actual support coordinators themselves and the companies that have been set up exclusively around support coordination? Um, transition over. Uh, I think uh, there would. Uh, I think with uh, they either transfer over to to navigators, um, and depending how that looks, um, that there, there is, uh, you need to be um, allied health to be a navigator. Okay. Right? So. So that's a, a a hurdle to jump. Okay. Um, but in in the same thing, um, I think we've yeah. So that's 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 what I, I think. Um, they'll mm. just transition over, and will um, those support coordination companies will come off, and the navigator companies, uh, the navigator badge will 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 fit onto it. And so if I'm company A and I'm, an, I'm a support coordination business now, 
and I've got 10 support coordinators, as long as they've all got the right qualifications, like your allied health, do yeah. I still get to carry on trading as company A and then validate the transfer? Does, does, does transition mean I still get to continue as a business? Uh, yeah, um, that's what I hope. I, I, I do too. It's a genuine question. Like I was, it one of the things where like, yeah. not quite clear. Like, what does it mean? Is it, is it, cause you've got the LAC model in comparison, right? And you've got all the big charity groups that, um, you know, that, that they get the big contracts for that. Like, you know, okay. My personal opinion is the LAC model needed a shakeup anyway. And um, so I quite, again, welcome the navigator role. What's your perspective on, you know, shaking up that and, and shifting towards navigators specifically? Uh yeah, so um, there, there's going to be a few, um, a few hurdles, mm. like from one from a, a a client point of point of view, there will be a few hurdles. Um, mm. But two, it's like where do the navigators navigators sit, and um, if they sit in state, right, or they sit at local, mm -hmm. right, um, how can they? They might look on a system and they might advise me to go here, there, 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 there. Um, if you've been in the, the system, if you've had lived experience in the system, um, I would like to choose my navigator, for instance. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure mm. if how the government views it mm. is um, you, you can you can choose it, mm. right? Um, I hope they are because mm -hmm. I know exactly who my navigators will be mm -hmm. um, because they think big picture. Yep. Um, they think um, like if it like nationally and mm -hmm. since we have allied uh, uh, telehealth and, and things like that, um, I can access nationally um, mm. who the best people for me. Um, and but I'm I'm not sure if they're 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 thinking local based. Um, if I, I know there was a there's a few councils which have gone, we want to get involved, but we just don't know how yet. Mm. Right. Um, I, I think that could be a, a role that they might play. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just all up in the air at the moment. Mm. But in terms of advocacy, um, there mm. will always be be room for high impact advocates mm. um i i can't meet enough high impact advocates because i was like i have so much to do <laughs> right in um in this ndis space um mm. that i'm just yeah shaking um uh I'm, I'm just trying to shake up up things as as i go um mm. Yeah, but mm. Mm. Yeah, well, do, you want, do you want to comment any more about the review and you know the, the the role of advocacy and how you see it all fitting together? Like, what 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 do you you know do you, what are there any particular shifts or things that you think are very important, you know, going forward with the review in mind? So, so with with the review, um, it will be interesting what um Bill Bill says in February, mm -hmm. early February, I think um about yeah what his his um what he's going to adopt mm -hmm. um in in terms of the review um there there should be a lot more um advocates out there and a lot a lot of people um a lot of people that really want to speak their mind mm -hmm. um with disabilities should right um and 
should, should get get involved. Um, we need to team up up uh, with each other mm -hmm. um, and have the debates between us, and then share it with with, with Shorten. Right. Um, I, I think there's since the NDIS has come in, um, it's highly splintered um, the ecosystem. Right. So, so we with providers. Providers have uh, support workers, and even the support workers don't know know who's who's in the same organisation. And you might have um, uh, other like clients who don't know each other in the organisation. And since the providers want to say how can we service these these people better, mm -hmm. not like that's that's the question they're saying. Not um, who can we link? Who can we link up with? that helps our clients be, grow better, be better, be more contributed in the, in the community. Um, and that's what I, I'm really trying to, trying to push. It's like a provider uh, matrix almost mm -hmm. of different providers going, we do this, who, who else needs it? And mm -hmm. which like, can we um, make uh, our clients be the best they can be? Mm -hmm. um, and that's yeah, that's what I'm I'm looking at. There, there's there's providers that provide everything from allied health to support work to right, and that's that their little ecosystem bubble, um, which yes, that works for them, but their clients don't look for other other opportunities mm. um, elsewhere. Mm. So mm. and. The clients need need that diversity um, yes. to to grow in the community. Correct, correct. Couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, okay. And again, this is this is again this is these are great, beautiful examples of what we need to do to continue lifting lifting the standard. Right. Um, yeah. From a tech and innovation point of view, um, in your work, are you notice, are you noticing any emerging trends or innovations in technology? Um, that could revolutionise the way that we, you know, implement disability services or support systems um, under the NDIS framework. Um, AR and VR, right? Augmented AR, reality. AI, AI and VR. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell me. Yeah. Or, augmented reality. Yeah. Um, virtual reality is going to be huge in the next five to ten years. Yes. Um, in in ways of there's um, Apple and I think Facebook. Uh, now have um, it's going to be rolled out in the next two years. Yeah. Um, a like a way you can yeah. view um, reality, but mm -hmm. if you go, okay, how do you get to the shops? Yeah. And it, it will actually point yeah. you how to get to the shops, right? Yeah, huge, huge for somebody who doesn't un understand or um, where's my keys, right? Yeah. And have your keys like blink at you, right? Kind of thing. This yeah. stuff is right around the corner, right? Yes. Which is going to help um, people with disabilities um, get uh, get more into to involved in the community better. Um, uh, Teams and Zoom have have been huge, especially over over COVID, right? So I don't think that's going to go away. Mm -hmm. um, um, and there's there's a lot of stuff around. Uh, I mean AI, um, ChatGPT, for instance. Yep. Right. Or or someone like myself, um, mm -hmm. 
I find it really hard to to write uh, emails or, or letters. Mm-hmm. Um, but in ChatGPT, if I can just type in the the, the little comments, mm-hmm. um, ChatGPT can do do the rest, right? Yes. Make it sound um, like a an, an actual an actual email or an actual letter, mm-hmm. right? So just that kind of kind of technology, it might be small, right? Like it, yes, it can write a letter, right? But to someone who um, who tries for hours mm-hmm. to write something and it's all it's all scrambled up. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just a, a godsend. Right? I, I, I think that's spot on. Um, and the augmented reality point, I um I was in Sydney um the other week with my family and and I brought up Google Maps and it said, would you like to install the augmented reality you know add on blah blah blah. I said yes. And so not only did it do the Google Maps thing, I was able to kind of flip my phone this way. And it did the yeah. arrow thing, and I could see that future of how that's going to be. It's going to be the bloody headset. Yeah. Um, the right. phone's going to be strapped to my head. It's sticky tape for now. Um, but it, it's incredible. It's a very, very empowering. So I completely agree. And, and I think it's about making it accessible. So that's accessibility, isn't it? To life and yeah. and function. Um, I think also, like I, I mean, I'm very intrigued about the the future of robotics as well in terms of help around the house. Um, who knows yeah. where that yeah. could go? Yeah. Maybe Elon Musk's Tesla robots will be helping us out before you know it. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it like his his ambitions is like yeah through the absolute roof. Um, yeah. But look, looking at um, looking at uh, robot uh, chef, ro- robot yes. kitchen yes. chef, yes, things like that. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that 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 like costs twenty grand, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. It's it's like going well. These these are just around the corner, and how practical mm. can can we make technology? Um, mm. And and what uh, technology can do do for us? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm really interested in in where that goes and how that works. Um, but foreseeable mm. future in the next year or two, mm-hmm. um, Zoom Teams. Um, mm-hmm. is, is going to get much better um, mm-hmm. AR and VR, right? Absolutely. Yeah, they're, 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 um, they're really, really good mm-hmm. um, in terms of, of services. Um, probably there's a, a good mate of mine. Um, uh, he runs Determined 2, right, yeah. which is, is helping people uh, with paraplegia um, uh, scuba dive, mm-hmm. right? So here's a, a tank strapped to the back, and these people actually can walk along the bottom of of the water. I've heard of this. Yes, I've heard of this. It's amazing. I've seen videos. Incredible. Yeah. 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 Right. So so he's like the first first um, uh, company that's um, um, that's registered in the NDIS and registered in uh, motor vehicle accidents, mm-hmm. um, passed everything, mm-hmm. and and he he does that. Right mm-hmm. now, is that a, a therapy or an experience? Right, um, who cares? But people can actually walk, right? Um, that are, aren't aren't walking, and that things like that, the the innovation, mm-hmm. um, like this, the things we've discussed, mm-hmm. is is going to be huge, and the NDIS should be looking at that with a really close eye because this is the stuff that creates. Like this is the innovation they're looking for mm-hmm. um, in the NDIS because uh, the 
the NDIS wanted um, companies to invest in innovation, and mm-hmm. currently it's geared toward more towards deficit, mm-hmm. right? Um, without a uh, a bonus for mm-hmm. finding out something new, right? Mm-hmm. So, provider, if the provider gets a, a client who, um, uh, yeah, has a few meltdowns, oh, suddenly they do a change in circumstances, they get more money, and the providers, like uh, the provider, provides more support, right? There's there's nothing the the other way. It's like if you find out something new, if you find out a new technique, new tool, new therapy, new strategy mm. to deal with mm. X, mm-hmm. right? You get right fifty grand, mm-hmm. eighty grand, mm-hmm. right, as a bonus for helping the system forward. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like that at the moment, and there that's, should be. Yeah, that, that that's very interesting, actually. Yeah, because I mean, again, we're in the realm of quite traditional things which are very relevant like home modifications and you know do you need the handrail in the shower do you need your bathroom adapting but then is there a place for similar stuff around tech basically like you know could there be a case to make made to say 20 grand for a for a kitchen robot's actually a better investment um potentially like for certain scenarios i don't know like is it, is it i i i embrace that that technological thing. And um, it makes me think of an, I think there's an AI company that's been trying to develop um, stuff to stop kids from drowning in swimming pools. So it's basically a camera on the pool and it's then algorithmically, it's it's still, I think, trying to figure out how do you make a distinction between someone in distress? Um, So here's a random idea. I shouldn't give away these ideas. I should probably do it myself. Um, But can you imagine in all sincerity, like an AI system that would be put in place to to detect distress detect violence neglect abuse and it would be a monitoring system to actually make sure that you know should participants agree to it because it would be a privacy thing um then could it be a monitoring of providers you know what i mean but to actually say like here are the the, the things in place you have to agree to yeah. it um but like to, to, to stop abuse in your own home basically and, and like yeah that, that, what do you think of that idea that's a bit out there but <laughs> I, I i think uh, um london i think the the uk um did did something like that um yeah. so they had like monitoring uh monitoring cameras all around all around the home mm. um and these monitoring cameras would be uh the um relayed to a a central place mm-hmm. where a nurse would would sit and and look at the at the different screens, mm-hmm. um, and there would be AI to to alert the the nurse to look at this one just in case, mm-hmm. right? That there might be there might be abuse. Um, so that's that's already been in in I think it's the UK um, for for years, right? Yeah, for, okay. For years and years and years. Mm. It it's, it got over here and um, Australia bastardized it and goes, oh, we can do it cheaper. Right, and suddenly the the project fell through the floor. Right. Okay. Um, so, and, and this is this is the, um, this is what hurts. Mm-hmm. One innovation, but two people with disabilities. Right. It's like yes, we yeah, want exactly. to we want to learn, we want to yeah. um, grow, we want to adapt, mm-hmm. um, uh, and we want to join the community and be a participant in the community as, like as much as anything. Right, and we will do everything we can to to try and do that. Mm. Um, but when there's 
like innovations happening overseas mm-hmm. um, that isn't here, right? Isn't mm-hmm. here yet. And when it does come here, mm-hmm. there's, there's suddenly profiteering and going, oh, we can do a better job than that. Mm-hmm. And the project falls through the floor. It's like going, that's, that hurts, right? Hurts mm-hmm. us, hurts, hurts everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in, in Japan, they have uh, people with quadriplegia working, right? How do they work? Through robots. Right. right. It's like, why isn't that here? Right. Right. Yeah. And and they've got a perfectly good working model over there. It's like, mm. let's let's create something like that here. And this is what I'm um, pushing for, uh, pushing the local councils, pushing the um, uh, the the yeah federal to to look at and to observe what's going on overseas and try and and implement that here while simultaneously trying to uh, help uh, the the sector grow um, mm. through advocacy and transparency. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Um, I can see how passionate you are about it, and it's you've got a very unique point of view. You know, with your with your own lived experience and your professional background and experiences, um, it, it's very powerful. So I really commend what you're doing, and um, think it's so incredibly important. Um, just kind of you know to give a bit of a a message to people listening like what how how do you see that individuals various communities and indeed policymakers can actively contribute to creating a more inclusive um, and supportive environment uh, for people with disabilities within the NDIS framework um just be um curious and and look uh really big deep in what the rules actually are right <laughs> right right um there's there's a lot of confusion about what's like yeah um confusion in that space you you know that um with with terms of the rules um but to if they see something that looks off or mm. um uh that looks off speak up about it um yes. i i i to be an Australian, we need to um, we help out thy neighbour when um, when their house is burnt down, right? We we are we are known for known for that, like helping out um, um, helping out our community if the cyclone hits, or right? We are we are we are that country in the world that that bonds together to help out at a crisis. Um, the the end like with this sector still emerging and growing and it's still in its um in its infancy or not infancy it's probably about a teenager right right about now but yeah yeah it's getting into trouble a little bit getting out too late you know needs to come over (laughs) a young young rebellious teenager um (laughs) but it still needs it still needs a lot of support by Mm. by everyone i'm Mm. talking about people with disabilities their siblings parents um the local community mm-hmm. um and and people in, in po- politics like i'm um, high up in politics mm-hmm. as high up as bill thornton to go what's like what's the main objective let's start there people with disabilities joining the community yes okay all right that's the main objective how can those people get around that objective and go right so if, you, if you're a a bricklayer or a a a um a, a concreter, 
It's like, okay, I'm not in the NDIS space. It's like, well, you are because it's it's um, it's going to be one of the well, the biggest industry in Australia, right? So how do we get into to the sector? Oh, um, I think uh, making ramps for people with disabilities in the local community, right? I'm sure that that would be helpful for um, the 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 uh, local council to be aware of, right? Kind of thing. So it's just innovative stuff like that to go, mm -hmm. okay, I can contribute in this way and mm -hmm. get work out of it, right? Yep. Yep. So it's it's like everyone's everyone can be connected to it if they wanted to. I think kind of what you're alluding to here, which is so important, is societal and cultural cohesion at the, 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 the fabric of society level, right? So, you know, people with disability can be at a much higher risk of isolation, right? So um, true integration would mean that, because it's really sad, but, you know, some people are less fortunate and they don't have family friends and they, they are genuinely at risk of isolation. And, and the risk is that the only people they see are their support workers and that's it, right? Yeah. That, that's, that's horrible that that can happen. And true societal cohesion and integration means that that person then develops a friendship, develops a community, um, and they need their mates, you know, their mates, yeah. wherever that is. Um, to, so that they, you've got to have mateship. Being Australian, having mateship means that they have to have that bond. That we have to enable that bond to to happen, and because then the mates will check on their mates, right? You know, and and I think that's part of, for example, you know, making sure that abuse doesn't occur. Uh, for example, yeah. and just again, the wellness thing, you know, it's also, it's more cohesive as a society. We can't see, there can't be like a, you know, a, a, a multiple tier, two tier system to the way, what is it to be Australian? Look, we're all Australian, right? So um, yeah, that, that needs to happen, doesn't it? And that's a bit of a, a bit of well, a shift. Yeah. Well, 60 about um, the, the local stats are 67% of people without disabilities feel awkward talking to someone with a disability. And, and that's my point there when I say it's a bit of a shift, because like, you know, even that I work in the sector, I'm a provider myself, and like even amongst some of my friends, I'm like, guys, you've got to get comfortable with this. It's okay. <laughs> They're human beings. Yeah. Like, you know, talk to them. Don't get, don't get, yeah. don't get all frozen up and, you know, get, don't get awkward. Like, bloody hell. Awkward, yeah. 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 And, and this, this, this is it. It's like, yeah. um, People like um, people without disabilities or people not connected to the sector don't understand yes. or don't like don't understand what it can be like mm -hmm. until they're, they're 60, 70, 80 years old and they like suddenly yeah. like their, their parts don't work, like their, their, their human yeah. body doesn't work. They're going, oh, shit, right? Mm -hmm. And um, or they might have an accident or they might have a friend have an accident. Mm -hmm. we, we aren't like, um, we're not, we don't, we aren't curious about this sector enough mm. to actually look look deeply into it and go, hey, everyone's like everyone's like this. Like either you you have a disability when you're young, or you have a disability when you're old. Right. Either way, you're you're not immune to it. Mm. Right. Mm. People mm. try to be. That's cool. Mm. Right. But still, right. You might be the the, the best um, high fittest uh, athlete uh, ever, and Something might happen. A, a car might slam into you, and suddenly mm. you're you're paralysed, right? Mm. Mm. So this stuff can happen, um, and it's it's um, looking at that and going, okay, cool. 
how do I, um, how do I look into this enough mm. to go, no matter what happens, I'll still be okay. Yes. And that's what, that's what I think the, uh, as, as Australia needs to get into their mind is like, no matter what happens, no matter what disability like I have, I'll still be okay. Right. I have these, these connections. Uh, I know they won't, um, look at me differently. Um, and the only way I, I can see how that's going to be embedded in our community enough um, mm-hmm. to stick is um, people with disabilities speaking up more, mm-hmm. um, and the support workers actually speaking up more and um, have taken the drive and mm. the providers taking the drive mm. and the providers and the support workers and the people with disabilities bonding together to mm. go, let's try this, Let, let's work out that, let's find someone with uh, my abilities and let's start a, up a group. Um, and everyone like everyone at that level being proactive. Mm-hmm. And when they're proactive, mm-hmm. they can they can shift a lot. So I agree. I agree. Um, and it is it is grassroots, right? Um the, the just to kind of echo and tell a very, very brief story. Um my son is autistic and when he went to primary school initially, as parents, we're like, we're anxious. We're like, okay, how's it going to go? Is it going to work for him? And um, will he be accepted? Will he be bullied? All the, all the, all these like anxieties as parents. And, and I'm really happy to say that where I live on the central coast, like, it's just a lovely. It's kind of like that lovely sort of village feel in terms of like it's how it should be, in my opinion, right? You know, yeah. everyone just like people don't even think about it. They don't even reference it. You know, they just they just accept. Like his teachers accept, his classmates accept. It's not made a thing of. Um, if he's got any adjustments that he needs in the classroom environment, he gets them. You know, and, and both of his teachers, like that he's had so far, they they just embraced it as something to learn about. Um, and it absolutely brings me to tears as a parent, just because I see how accepted he is, and I think, oh, God, that's that's brilliant because that expresses like what's possible in the world, right? Um, and I think yeah. about too, you know, there's some there's some kids with Down syndrome in the local primary school as well. Everyone loves them. Everyone loves them. Like it's not, there's no, you know, we have come a long way as well. Like we, I, I agree that there's a long way to go. Um, but I also very much celebrate how, you know, when I grew up in the eighties, it, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. You know, people like had some bad attitudes towards um, disability. Right. Um, so I do think there's a way and it, and it happens, you know, you say get together, form a group, like it, it's the parents, it's the people with disabilities, it's the teachers, it's all, all these all those connection points of the community where if we can just bring awareness, it's bring awareness and, and, and advocacy is literally even speaking up and saying, hey, what do they need? You know, what do you need? How can we support them? How can we adjust this environment? Whatever it is, you know, we need yeah. a ramp, let's sort it out. You know, that 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 is not just about the NDIS fixing everything. It's it's grassroots as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's community based. I mean, yeah, there there we are. I mean, in a local school, um, there would uh, there would be so many parents, right, mm-hmm. who would would go, let's let's do it, right? Let's let's yeah. create something. Let's um, make this this school better. Uh, and that that's what I I personally found um, that kids kids want to kids are curious. Kids want to understand. Kids want to know why things are a certain way. Mm-hmm. But as as when we turn into adults, we tend to like label and judge it because we don't have enough time. Yep. And that transition, mm-hmm. right, is, is happening younger. But um, I, I think as like adults or, or teenagers, we forget 
right? Mm-hmm. How curious and how open-minded we were when we were yes. kids. Yes. And, uh, and that's what I see. Because I, 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 I love the fact that with my son and my community and, and the various other people that I'm describing, it's actually the point that it's at the primary school age because it, it the, 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 the labels aren't there. Like it's not even it's not even as relevant. It's just like, oh yeah, that's fine. Like, what, like whatever the disability is, like there's a, if we can if we can just kind of oh, yeah, I think it's that integration. You know, I think that in the macro picture, that would really shift the cultural equation. If we can, you know, truly integrate. I mean, of course, disability can happen at any point in your life. I understand that. But from me, from people that you know are born with a disability or whatever it is. Um, if we can sort of tap into that primary school and onward thing, then I think literally we're going to create a more aware and accepting future generation of Australians because they've been exposed to it from childhood. It can't be the locking people away and, you know, keeping them in separate things and all that stuff. We need that cohesion. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and like the, the locking people away um, that, I mean, that, that happened in the sixties, right 60s 70s kind um, of metaphorically thing. i mean you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. right um but yeah now it's like it's it's uh it's everywhere um now and i, I think it uh, it should be out there out there more mm-hmm. and if the people with disabilities are aligned with their their, their their gifts or talents or things like that just how much better can can we build this um this ecosystem this community um uh, i mean uh basically uh look at stephen hawking's for instance mm-hmm. right there was a brilliant brilliant mind but he was just trapped in a a, a disabled body um um there, there's a a brilliant uh, artist that have has autism that takes glimpses of cities mm-hmm. and can mm-hmm. draw them um, in like yeah, draw them. It's just like that's brilliant, right? Mm-hmm. And how much other gifts or talents can we um, can we uh, conjure up and go? This is this is what he's he's really good at. Let's get around him and and shine that. And that's that can be a a way for um, people with disabilities to shine, but also people without disabilities to shine as well, yeah. right? Because they're aligning their their gifts and talents. And yeah, I, I think this uh, community or culture or or nation is going to be a better place at that point. Mm, yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, listen, I know we're both speaking from the heart there, and it's been a very meaningful conversation. Thank you, and um, Peter. We should probably wrap it up because we go for an hour fifteen. It's a good one. Yeah. Um, but Peter, no obviously, um, how can people connect with you if they want to? I'm sure there'll be many people listening to this who would be thrilled to to get you in to speak at a conference or you know, or to connect with you as a consultant, et cetera. How can people connect with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Peter Dempsey on, on LinkedIn or, um, yeah, I've got a website. Um, yeah, just Peter Dempsey, my name. Um, it's easy to remember. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, I just look forward to, yeah, forward to connecting more and, um, and yeah, really giving uh, this, uh, this ambition where we're all on. And um, I just want to do all I can. So, yeah, yeah, I really anyway. appreciate your time. It's an absolute pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure. Melissa, well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. My name is Chris Hall from Peak Provider. If you're a provider looking to scale your business, um, there's webinars, the, the podcast.
Um, there's events and all sorts of things that uh, are at peakprovider.com.au. So just go there to check it out too. Peter Dempsey, you're a legend. I wish you all the best for the rest of 2024 and I'm sure we'll be in touch soon. Hope you have a great day. No worries, mate. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, everyone.